0: Hello family and welcome. As St. Francis Cabrini is to early Italian immigrants, St. John Newman was to early German immigrants. St. John Newman or St. John Nepomuceni as his name appears in the registry in the village of Prakanz in the hill country above Vienna where he was born on March 28, 1811. He was a Thursday's child which is considered very special. But he was an even more special child as this Thursday on which he was born was Holy Thursday that year. It would seem the Lord brought young John into the world at this special time because he had great work to do for God and the church. He was baptized the same day.
1: The local parish priest, Father Lederhade, held out great hope
0: for the newborn baby
1: from the very start. He predicted that John would one day be a priest. Father had no idea how inspired that prediction would turn out to be. Father the letter he knew the parents, Herr Philip Neum- Neumann and his wife Agnes Labis, both living saints, the wife had been a local girl from the town and parish for as long as he could remember. Herr Neumann was a hard worker who toiled at a knitting business. John was the third child born to the couple and the first male child. They both This made both parents very happy.
0: When John was five years old, Father Schmidt, the associate pastor of the parish church, St. Jacobs, allowed him to become an altar boy, which was the first step in leading him towards the altar. Without knowing consciously, young John just loved the prospect of being so close to our Lord Jesus in the altar. When he received his first Holy Communion at age nine, his future was sealed. He was in love with Jesus in the Eucharist. Although as an adult he did not recall vividly his desire for the priesthood, he did admit to having built an altar in his home where he prayed the Mass every day.
1: At 12 years old, in 1823, he left his hometown for the metropolis of Budweis to study with the priests there. Though he did not know it at the time, it was the beginning of his journey to America. John was a voracious reader and a very serious student, which became a problem at times. Having this great hunger for learning all his life, he absorbed all that he had been taught by the priests and prakets so thoroughly that when he went to school in Budweis, along with a hundred other students, he knew all the material which was being taught. So understandably he was bored.
0: He went through his years of study at Budweis with almost no problems. However, his interests lent themselves to areas like mathematics, nature, and astronomy. How was the Lord going to turn this around to his advantage, bringing John into the seminary? While John had always considered the priesthood, it was way in the back of his consciousness. He came up with all kinds of excuses as to why he could not become a priest. Great
1: stumbling block was the problem of not being interested in subjects which lent themselves to the priesthood, such as theology, poetry, and the mystics. But the major obstacle seemed to be that the seminary was almost impossible to gain acceptance to. He applied. He was accepted. Once that was done, he turned his attentions completely to the seminary and the priesthood. He knew if he could not make himself love theology and the mystics, The angels would give him the boost he needed.
0: His first two years were very difficult in that he could not actually stay within the walls of the seminary. It was too crowded. He had to live at a boarding house and take classes at the seminary. It called for a great deal of discipline. He had made a decision to turn his life over to God, and he went out of his way to make it work. The two-year period was also a time of becoming closer and closer to God. This was so necessary for his vocation. Without a real relationship with God, nothing could happen.
1: John developed a great love for Scripture, and in particular, the Old Testament. He had a very inspiring professor who walked him through the glory of the Scriptures, the majesty of God's Word. During his time at the seminary, he became completely enveloped in Scripture and its values in his everyday life. He was able to use this to a great degree in the mission which the Lord had planned for him, possibly from the beginning of time. It was also in the seminary and through his study of scripture that he became engrossed in the mission travels of St. Paul. He related a great deal to the apostle of the Gentiles in that they were both short of stature and neither was in the best of health, and yet they both managed to be zealots for the Lord.
0: Reports were finding their way back to the churches and seminaries in Europe from the American missions. John was enthralled by what he read in the accounts of missionaries from Germany, France, and Italy. He made a concerted effort to learn these languages proficiently. By the time the Lord had prepared him adequately for his mission, he could speak eight languages. But there was a problem. He knew we had to learn English, and the seminary in Budweis did not teach English. John was given permission to go to the Royal University in Prague to learn English. In September 1833, he left Budweis for the fall semester in the university, which extended to the following August.
1: The seminary was incorporated into the University of Prague, not a separate entity as was the diocesan seminary at Budweis. It was closely supervised by the crown. The experience was good for John in one way, in that he was able to avail himself of the best facilities possible to learn French and English. It was not good, however, in that it was John's first glimpse of, into division within the church. The crown pretty much ruled the church, even to the extent of not using textbooks from the Vatican, but rather using everything that the state determined would foster the rules set down by the throne for the church. It was a time of Josephism and Lebronism, two heresies which took temporal as well as spiritual power away from the church in Rome, even to making choices for bishops
0: and priests. While John was shocked to be exposed to this type of blatant disobedience to the Holy Father and the church in Rome... Perhaps it was necessary to harden him to the fact that things don't necessarily run smoothly even in the church. He had to take stands, risk unpopularity from his fellow students, but more importantly from his teachers. In addition to these problems, new regulations by the crown made it impossible for for him to study English and French at the university, the reasons he came in the first place. But John, being strong-willed and exceptionally intelligent, Studied privately and was able to attain the highest marks on his examinations in the language.
1: While John was in Prague, the Lord was busily preparing the way for him to go to the United States as a missionary priest. Two friends from school, one in Prague and one in Budweis, had committed to going with him. A priest in Budweis had been receiving correspondence from the United States, Philadelphia in particular asking for priests who could speak German. John fit the job description very well. By the time he returned to Budweis for his final examination prior to ordination, he was ready to go to America.
0: A major disappointment occurred just before he finished his schooling. The bishop became very ill and the ordinations were held off. The diocese was in no hurry to ordain more priests as they had an abundance of them already ordained. This put John in some jeopardy as he wanted to be ordained in his home diocese rather than in the United States, but that was not to be. Everything seemed to fall apart. His friends backed down from going with him to the United States, and his financing didn't come through.
1: The Bishop of Philadelphia never answered his correspondence. But with all of that, the Lord won out, and John received just barely enough money to get to the port of New York but he had to leave without being ordained a priest. One of the most difficult things for him was to leave his family. He feared he may never see them again, but he knew God had a plan for him and he said yes to that plan. On May the 28th, 1836, Trinity Sunday, they dropped anchor on New York Harbor. John had arrived.
0: But where had he arrived? He had no money and no position. He had not been ordained a priest. All he had was courage and faith in the Lord, but that worked for him. There were delays in getting off the ship. John was becoming restless. He was there. He could see his new country, but he could not get off the ship. Finally, he annoyed the ship's captain so much they put him in a rowboat and set him to row towards Staten Island.
1: But the Lord was watching out for John. Through tremendous rainstorms, he was able to find a church to receive the Eucharist after 40 days without having seen a church. The priest told him where to contact a German priest who brought him to the Bishop of New York's office. He had already been accepted by the Diocese of New York to work with German Catholics who were in dire need of a pastor. Less than a month after he had docked, June the 25th, 1836, He was ordained a priest and on his way to his first parish.
0: The New York Diocese, which, by the way, included the entire state of New York, plus a third of New Jersey, was the largest growing center of population in the country. There was such a great demand for German-speaking priests in the diocese, they didn't know where to place John. Very shortly after his ordination, he found himself on a ship sailing up the Hudson River to the Buffalo area of the state, where he would begin his ministry as a priest. On the 4th of July, 1836, he arrived at St. Patrick's Church in Rochester, a good start for a German priest.
1: He only spent a week in Rochester, his final destination being Buffalo. But in that short time, he was to meet Father Joseph Prost, a Redemptorist, who planted the seed of St. Alphonsus Liguori in his heart, which would eventually lead him to become a member of the Redemptorist Order. At the end of the week in Rochester, he continued to his permanent assignment in Buffalo, where he worked in the missionary field and as a parish priest until 1840.
0: During this time, he developed priestly skills, especially in the area of homiletics. He deepened his spiritual life in between working feverishly in the vineyard of the Lord. The Lord inspired Father John to recruit his younger brother Wenzel to come to the United States and work with him. The younger Newman was brilliant, as was his brother. Together, they worked in the missionary field.
1: Wenzel handled all of the basic teachings plus the construction of missions, the day in and day out working of the missions, while his brother, Father John, worked on the spiritual end of it. We see a quality in Father John which would be with him all his life as a priest and then bishop. He disliked the secular administrative public relations part of his job. He was a good pastor, an excellent preacher, but he shied away from all public events as much as possible Where he could, he delegated these to Wenzel.
0: It was during this time in Buffalo that Father John came closer and closer to the Redemptorists. He felt the need to be part of a religious community. It was very difficult being a diocesan priest. He wanted to spend more time on his own spirituality. An incident which clinched his decision to ask for admission to the Redemptorists came in the summer of 1838. He was called to Rochester to minister to the German Catholics there. They had been under the supervision of Father Post until that time. When he arrived at the church, he noticed the strong piety of the people, which he attributed to the teachings of the redemptorist priest in whose care they had been. But still he waited.
1: In September of 1840, he formally requested permission to enter the redemptorist. The provincial, Father Prost, jumped at the opportunity of having Father John join his order. He replied to Father John, who then wrote to the Bishop of New York, Bishop Hughes. The bishop knew what a fine priest Father John was and how he had worked in the Buffalo area. Quite frankly, he didn't want to lose him.
0: So he chose not to respond to Father John's request to be released from the diocese. However, Father Prost also was after the bishop to give his permission. A slight friction resulted between the bishop and Father Prost, but Father John was given permission, and so he left Buffalo for Erie, Pennsylvania, where he began his novitiate. Wenzel stayed behind to pack up Father John's possessions, then he joined the Redemptorists as well.
1: Once Father John had arrived in Pittsburgh, he became more aware of the problems of the Redemptorists had in the United States. They were spread too thin. They had more obligations than they could handle. For them, having Father John was a great price, but because they tried to use him everywhere possible, he got the impression they were just shoving him from one assignment to another. He was never able to get the time he wanted to peacefully, quietly work on his spirituality. There was just too much to be done and no one to do it. He found himself being sent from Pittsburgh to Norwalk, Ohio, to New York City, back up to Rochester and upstate New York, and on to Buffalo, to the same parish he had left a year before. There was such a need for German-speaking priests and such a shortage available that they had to make use of the few they had in as many places as they could.
0: All the reason he had given himself for wanting to join a religious order, the company of other priests, the time for reflection and meditation, none of these things were made available to Father John. He was to later write about this time, I myself was never a real novice, for when I entered our beloved congregation, it had neither a novice master nor a novitiate in America. Notwithstanding this disadvantage, I am not without my share of experience." I passed through the numerous temptations with which the evil spirit is accustomed to try the recruits of St. Alphonsus.
1: There was a time, a short period of time, when Father John was actually in his glory. He worked hard day and night, but that had never bothered him. The Lord sent him to Baltimore, Maryland. There was a German community desperately in need of priests and a church. The bishop looked to the Redemptors for help the local priest realized that the little church was too small for the ever-growing Germans pouring into the area. The Redemptress in Europe allocated money to build a big, beautiful church, but during the construction period, Father John had to go to a small church in town to minister to his flock. He was never happier in his
0: life. When he first went to Baltimore, there had been a redemptorist community there. But the story of too much work and too few priests drew all but two away to different areas, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and on and on. The two were Father John and another priest, Father Fay. Father John took as many of the unpleasant tasks, getting up in the middle of the night, early morning masses, going out into the small villages all around Baltimore to minister to the German Catholics who could not get into Baltimore. It was grueling work, but he thrived on it. Father John went through his trial by fire in Baltimore. He would have stayed there for the rest of his life, but the Redemptorists needed him.
1: The real problem was in the way that the American province was managed. The powers in Europe would give in to the demands of a local bishop to begin a community in a given area to take care of the many European Catholics, mostly Germans. Or a local redemptress would make a commitment to a local bishop and then tell the redemptress authorities in Europe about the decisions that had to be made. The results of this were chaos. The redemptress overextended themselves to a point of not being able to provide more than one priest to any given mission.
0: This rubbed against the logical mind of Father John Neumann. He could see that not only were the Redemptorists not handling the commitments they had made, but they were being pressured into opening more missions, which they couldn't do. But as a loyal Redemptorist, he worked feverishly to minister to all the German immigrants who had come to this country in an effort to find a new life, free from the tremendous religious persecution they had to endure in their homeland under the Lutheran rule. This went on for close to seven years, at which time the European hierarchy judged that Father Newman was the best choice to put the American mission in shape rather than lose it. In February 1847, Father John was appointed vice-regent of the American mission of the Redemptorists.
1: Although he knew he did not (coughs) wield any great power, he and his confreres in Europe were determined to stop opening new missions until money and manpower were available. This became a major struggle for Father John in that so many promises, not necessarily official, had been made to so many bishops, and his job was to stop making promises and to pass on some which had already been made. It took nearly two years before Father Neerman was able to accomplish the Lord's will for his community. But with much prayer and a firm resolve, it was accomplished. In
0: 1848, the Vatican allowed the Redemptorists to make the United States into a vice-province and Father Neumann was named the vice-provincial. This was at a time when he was trying to shed the reins of leadership in the Redemptorist community. Remember, he wanted to be a priest more than anything else. He never liked this part of his vocation, but he accepted the post under the condition that he could be relieved as soon as possible. This happened in 1849 when a new vice provincial was sent from Europe to take over the United States.
1: Father Nerman continued working for the Redemptress until 1852. The Lord had been grooming him for this time. Father John was ready, although he didn't know it. The Archdiocese of Baltimore was exploding. The growth was so rapid the Bishop of Philadelphia, Bishop Kenrick, was elevated to Archbishop of Baltimore. Being the metropolitan of the area, he had to choose his successor. There were many priests and bishops who would have been good for the job, but the pressure to bring a German-speaking bishop into the area was very strong, even to the, petition of, uh, even to the petitioning of Kim Ludwig of Bavaria to ask the Pope to give them a German- a German-speaking bishop.
0: However, when that was suggested to the outgoing bishop, it only narrowed the field in that there were also very many good German-speaking priests who could be made bishop. But Bishop, now Archbishop Kenrick, had worked with Father Neumann for many years. At one point, when it looked as if the Redemptorists were not going to make it in the United States, he offered Father John a position as a diocesan priest as did many other bishops in the northeastern parts of the United States, so his qualities were well known.
1: However, there were many who thought a
0: Native American would have
1: been the best choice, and second, an Irish American, or a Spanish American, or anybody but a German. Germans were down on the popularity totem pole, and yet the German population of Philadelphia had swelled. While a great political battle took place over this appointment, It was the Lord's will. And so in 1852, above his sincere request not to be made a bishop, Father John Nerman became Bishop Nerman, fourth bishop of Philadelphia, and the first German-speaking bishop in the area. Once they got to know him, they loved him, at least most did.
0: There were great pressures put on the little bishop of Philadelphia. The cathedral had been begun in 1846 by his predecessor, but it had a long way to go. Bishop Neumann could not see the diocese getting deeper and deeper into debt to complete it when there were so many other projects he felt were more needed, in particular schools for immigrant children, of which most everybody in Philadelphia fit into that category. So the cathedral had to wait until money became available through donations earmarked for that purpose.
1: He had made a commitment to build a Catholic school system in his diocese. It had been atrocious all over the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland area where he had ministered since 1836. He felt the Lord had given them the gift of his position as bishop to right this wrong. Under his leadership, he developed the Catholic school system quickly in his diocese. In less than three years, he took an enrollment of about 500 students and multiplied it to 9,000. A miraculous feat.
0: Bishop Neumann was responsible for the building and recruiting of 73 new churches and chapels and the recruitment of 50 new priests and the pastoral care of 152. His happiest moments came on trips to the forests and mountains, the great valleys and lakes, the factory towns. He felt more at home among the simple folk than the refined gentry of Philadelphia. On these tours, he made himself available to all. His people spoke many languages. He spoke their tongues and communicated with them. He said Mass for them, preached, attended classes of children, and all around pastured his flock.
1: He wrote the first catechism for his diocese. It went through 38 editions and was the major catechism in many parts of the United States for decades. He also compiled a more mature catechism for adults. He also wrote one of America's first Bible histories. He had a great devotion and deep love for our Lord Jesus in the Eucharist. He established the first diocesan program of 40 hours devotion. This was highlighted by special prayers and processions. It became extremely popular all over the United States for the better part of the 19th and into the 20th century.
0: He had a great desire for closeness to the people. From the day of his ordination as bishop, he felt the need to make his diocese smaller. There was just too much territory to cover. He had spent 16 years trying to cover as much area as possible in order to just touch some of those who needed his pastoring. Now he had a much larger area, eastern Pennsylvania, probably from Harrisburg to the eastern border, the entire state of Delaware and the southern part of New Jersey... At times it constituted at the time it constituted approximately 35,000 square miles. It was an impossible situation.
1: He lobbied for dividing the diocese into at least two dioceses. In 1855 he suggested that a poorer section of eastern Pennsylvania, namely Pottsville, be made into a diocese and that he be bishop of that diocese. Now, this is after three years of having been Bishop of Philadelphia. He did not feel comfortable with society people, of which his diocese was full.
0: Bishop Newman felt a great weight was taken off his shoulders when he was given a coadjutor, Bishop James Wood, in 1858. While John Neumann had never put the diocese in financial distress, he was run ragged with the constant, never-ending problem of finances. Bishop Wood felt more at ease with administrative situations. In addition, he carried himself very well and was immediately accepted by the people in uh, Philadelphia.
1: This gave him time to do all the work he wanted to do with the people of his diocese. He kept going at a feverish pace pace and most likely caused his premature death purely by the amount of work he did. He covered his entire diocese almost every two years.
0: This dear little man's heart proved to be much larger than his body or his physical stamina. During the year of 1859, he began feeling dizzy, nauseous, and tired. He didn't cut back on his major activities, but wherever he could, he would delegate public ceremonies to Bishop Wood.
1: On January the 5th, 1860, in the afternoon, Bishop John Nerman was out doing errands trying to help a priest get a chalice which had been lost. As he walked the streets of Philadelphia, he suffered a massive heart attack and died almost instantly.
0: After a respectable time, his cause for be- canonization was introduced. In 1963, he was beatified by Pope Paul VI, and on June 19, 1977, He was admitted into the communion of saints, the first American male to be so honored, the first bishop of the United States to be canonized. We thank you for being with us. We love Love you. you. God God bless bless you. you. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here's how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the app store search for Bob and Penny Lord app and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN plus a whole lot more.